the more you're talking about money with people, the more you get to hear their perspectives and hear their experiences. And it helps normalize your own experience and can also open you up to new ideas that you hadn't really thought about before. Hello, hello, and welcome to House of Low. I'm Lo, and I am on a mission to create safe spaces to help every single woman on this earth feel her power, live from her truth, find her magic, and discover a love for herself so deeply that it opens her up to love others, step into her purpose, and live life abundantly. I'm so excited you have found your way here. Thank you for joining me. Here we go. I'm so excited for today. We're talking about money. I'm just going to plug it right at the top. So everyone, (laughs) you know, they're going to settle right in as soon as I say money. (laughs) We've had a few episodes where I've talked about money, but as everyone knows, House of Low is a believer in abundance consciousness and we teach it, we live it, we embody it. And today I am so honored and grateful to have two incredibly powerful women that are really doing the work in this area, in our culture, trying to change the culture of money, the fear around money, and break that culture of scarcity and move us as a culture and humanity into an abundance mindset. So welcome, welcome to Cami Doder, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of Asperient and co-host of the Money Tales podcast, as well as welcome Sandy Brager, who is the Chief Client Officer of Asperient and also co-hosting the Money Tales podcast. Thank you so much for joining me at the table today. I am so honored to be speaking with you both today. Thank you, Lo. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great to be here. Well, I would love for whoever wants to go first to give everybody a little bit of your background, what led you into this work, what you're focused on these days, and also anything that you're excited about at this time in your life. So again, this is Cami Doder. I like to tell people I'm a CMO twice. I'm the chief marketing officer at Asperient. We're an independent wealth management firm, national firm, helping high net worth people make really good financial decisions. And I'm also the CMO at home, as I like to put it. <laughs> I'm the chief mommy officer. I got two young girls and they're a big part of my life, as is my husband. And you know, all this is wrapped together. In my professional role, being at a wealth management firm, we talk a lot about money, but it's so much more. And I know we're going to dive into that. I'll just say in this role, I get to be a steward for our future clients. It's a really important decision when you're choosing your financial advisor. It's it's really intimate. It's an intimate relationship. And not all firms are right for everybody. And so I get the pleasure of helping individuals and families navigate what can be really confusing, a confusing industry and landscape of options and help them make the right decision for them. And Asperient, we are really proud of what we do. It is, you know, in my mind, I'm biased. I think it is the right decision for most, but that's what I get to do. And it's such a pleasure, Lo. Mm, So wonderful to hear that. I hear the spirit in your voice and that is really what moves me. So thank you so much, Cammie. Sandy, tell us all about you. (laughs) So what I'm most excited about is that every day I get to pursue my dream career. 
I learned about the wealth planning field when I was in college and I knew immediately that's what I wanted to do. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I grew up in a home. I was the oldest of three kids. My dad had just started a business as my brother, who's the youngest, was born. And my parents stretched into a new home that was probably a little too expensive for them. My dad's business was highly tied to the economy and the economy was in the pits. And my parents argued about money a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I think for my brother, again, he's the youngest of the three of us. He's seven and a half years younger than me. He had a whole different family relationship around money because the economy was booming by the time he was older. But for me, my parents argued a lot. And I just had this feeling all the time of of sort of fear and like, there's got to be a different way. I don't want this for myself. So when I learned that there was a whole profession based on helping people make really good financial decisions, it just called my name loudly. Hmm. And it's been a pleasure to do the work that I do, working directly with the clients of Asperian and also being in charge of a team that provides all the, the wealth planning techniques and processes and relationships with third parties that we provide to all of our clients is really, really special. And recently for the last couple of years, doing the Money Tales podcast with Cami has been a particular delight because we're taking a lot of the productive money conversations we have every day at Experient and we're having them with podcast guests, many of whom are brand new to us. And we're really pursuing our goal of helping more people around the globe have productive money conversations. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I left that off. Sandy, it's been so amazing. What a special gift to have these conversations and, and help people as they're getting comfortable around having money conversations. It's been amazing. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to be creating one of those conversations today with, with both of you. So thank you for that background. You know, as I preface at the top, this conversation around scarcity versus abundance mindset is now permeating every corner of our culture globally, but definitely in America. I think it's a post-COVID thing. I think people are tired, burnt out, overworked, and the scales are tipped to certain people and other people seem to not be able to make it. You know, we're very spiritual here and there's a lot of reasons for why certain people have challenges with money and others seem to not. And we're not going to try to solve that problem today. But as someone who is hosting workshops and creating events for women, but I'm definitely going to start creating them for everyone, for men and women to come together. That's where the real healing begins. But to your point, Sandy, I mean, money is such a contentious subject for most people individually and then definitely in relationships, right? Not even just marriages, but like, I think there's a lot of envy in our culture of people that do well. And then if the other person doesn't feel like they're doing well, then there's this unspoken tension, right? Money just... Greed is a human thing. We talk a lot about the ego and the soul here, right? The soul does not care about wealth. It's like the soul wants a wealth of experiences, right? But the ego is always, it's tricky line, right? With human nature to want to slide down greed, right? But what creates the temptation to greed is when people are desperate, right? And so for me, a lot of these conversations in these very intimate events I host, you realize that people's greatest fears are around money. And it's because we're living in a culture that 
rewards survival mindset, not thriving mindset. It's like, we're going to keep you in survival mode. And I said this, and I'm going to definitely say it to you both because I want your reaction to kick off. This is what I will do talks on publicly when I'm ready. I would say the it'll probably be a TED talk, but this is what I believe and what I think is the real problem of all the pieces of our culture with scarcity. When you keep people trapped in fear and scarcity, you can control them. Am I right? Hmm. So it's like there's this unspoken dynamic in our culture where people feel very controlled by the systems And by money, when we were just talking before we recorded, money is innocent in all of this. Money is energy. It flows when we're using our gifts, when we're distributing it correctly, when it has intention behind it. And a lot of people are trying to reevaluate their relationship with money. So I want to ask you about your individual relationship with money growing up and in your own journey, wherever you feel called to share on. And what your relationship with money is now versus when you were younger and as you came up in your in your journey? I love this question. I'll go first, if, if that's okay with you, Cami. So I mentioned before what it was like for me growing up in my early years with my parents, arguing about money a lot. So my takeaway from that was to become a financially independent woman. I did not want to be dependent upon anyone else for my financial well-being. So all the decisions I made in college and beyond have been in service of that goal. And I think early on, I was very focused on saving money for the future. I didn't always know how to invest money, but I knew that investing money was important. So I was able to at first teach myself through trial and error and then through formal education as I pursued my career further. And I would say today, my relationship with money is very different. I'm not focused on it like I was before. It's not front of mind. I'm much more focused on purpose, what I'm doing with my time, what I'm doing with my career, what I'm doing with my family. And that's a a very important conversation that I'm having with my family right now as our oldest is getting ready to head off to college next year. So it's been very interesting. It's changed a lot. And I think having these money conversations on a daily basis, low has helped change it. The more you talk about money with people, the more you get to hear their perspectives and hear their experiences. And it helps normalize your own experience and can also open you up to new ideas that you hadn't really thought about before. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Sandy. Amazing. You know, I love that you started with our our backgrounds because that's something we do a lot on the Money Tales podcast. Actually, we always start there. Sort of what's your backstory? Because so much of that plays into your future and either positive or negatively, or you're working on, you know, changing what you found as negative. So my backstory is I was born and raised in a family of immigrants from my grandparents. All my grandparents had come from the former Yugoslavia and they came with no education and no money. And boy, that that's a strong lesson there, you know, and it's a powerful one. And they worked hard to provide for this family and they made sacrifices to provide for this family and they saved uh-huh. for this family, <laughs> saved always. So the underlying thing was work hard and save your money. Yeah. 
save for a rainy day, you don't know what. And anytime there was a rainy day, you've heard that story over and over again. So that's been part of my upbringing. And that's, I mean, that's part of my money story. And that can work really well for you, but it also can hold you back if you're so focused on saving. For what purpose? And I think Sandy put really highlighted something very important. Sandy's been having these money conversations outside of Money Tales for a long, long time. I, on the other hand, this is a newer muscle. And that's what it is, getting comfortable. And how do you have money conversations and learning from where you didn't? And so I would say that having these conversations both with our guests, as well as then bringing it to my friends, my family, has been this really opening learning opportunity for me to evolve. So I think today, I do still value saving. I still do think of rainy day. You don't know what's going to happen and you got to be smart. But I also think about what our family values are. Where do we want to spend money? And being really intentional about that and joyful, not constricted. You know, my chest doesn't crush when the money goes out because it's aligned with what we're really passionate about. Not perfect, still learning, still growing. Yeah, so beautiful. Thank you both for that. And I think one of the things that really stood out to me that you both said is you're talking about money. So growing up, like (laughs) in an Italian culture, and this is a lot of cultures, it's like, we do not talk about money. It's like, don't tell them what you got. <laughs> don't. <laughs> it's a taboo, right? We're ta- we're all taught yeah. that in this country. Yes. And superstition. It's rude. Uh, it's not appropriate. Superstitious, yes. you're right. Yep. And we're entering a time in our culture where money is is going to continue to be openly talked about. And I think what's interesting about what you said is in your own like healing around money from your own childhood stories that we all have, the healing it feels like is comes from the talking about it. Because when we talk about something, it comes out of the shame closet and all of a sudden it has no power over us anymore. And then we can actually be strategic and look at wealth planning. But wealth planning to me is like step 30 if you haven't done the other pieces of healing around money. So I would love to hear like, because you're working with clients that are coming to you at all different stages, I'm sure. Some of them might be early in building their wealth, younger. Some of them might have accumulated a lot of money and they want to be smart about diversifying, distributing, and scaling that money from where it's at right now, right? Which is amazing. And that's great. And that takes risk too. So that even, to me, mm-hmm. wealth planning takes a lot of trust in in believing we live in an Absolutely. abundant universe, right? I mean, even right now, there's people that lost money in the stock market in the last few weeks and they're all pulling out. That to me just shows that they don't trust money at all. You know, money just circulates. That's all it does. It's just a circulation, you know, and it's like, it's going to come back around. It always does. It literally always does. And so I would love to hear like, with the people you work with, what is, and I'm sure it's hard to generalize, but let's just say when people first come to you, what would you say across the board, the biggest like fear around money is or concern that you see like time and time again? Well, before I respond to that question, I just want to highlight something that you were saying before about money conversations and the importance of talking about money. And I just want to point out one thing. When we don't talk about money, what happens happens we make assumptions we make up stories we tell ourselves things that might be old messages that we've told ourselves forever and that can really hold us back 
So I just want to to point that out too. I think that's another important aspect of money conversation is being able to tell those stories and to be open to what's coming up and not allowing our inner voice to take over. And that that sort of gets us to a segue to conversations with clients and especially new clients. And it's really interesting. We had clients that we've served for decades come talk to our firm. Whenever we gather as a firm, we we have every other year um, an offsite retreat. We bring everyone from around the country together and we invite clients to come talk to us and tell us about their experience. And the first time we did this, the couple that came to us were really like, fascinating people. I had the pleasure of working directly with them. The husband was a retired CEO of a public company at the time. And the wife was a retired CEO of her family. And she recounted the story of what it was like coming to visit us and how scared and frightened she was because she was the person who was controlling all of the money that was in the family. Her husband was earning it, but she was in charge of it. And she was so afraid that coming and talking to us would mean that we judge her, that maybe she wasn't doing the right thing. And that's the thing about personal finance. We do a horrible job in this country of educating people on personal financial matters. And we all think we're expected to know it. So that was really interesting to me to hear that story from her because it's not it wasn't something that I had ever picked up on. No, I wasn't part of the original team that was working with this couple at the very beginning, but there's a powerful lesson there. And I would say that for clients who have trepidations around financial matters, it's usually some concern or lack of confidence around the technical aspects, but more often than not, it's an initial discomfort around engaging in the conversations and kind of opening yourself up. And we can talk more a little later if you want about how we can, how we help clients get over that hump when it's there. Yeah. I'll add another thing. So Sandy, judgment, that was the first thing that came to mind. And I was thinking about that client story as well and and many others. The other thing, when folks come to us, when they look at how do I choose a firm? They say, I want to know your returns and your fees. Boy, then you start having conversations and those are important. Absolutely. But then you start getting at what keeps them up at night. What do they worry about? Are they setting their family up? Whatever it is. But it's so much more emotional than this rational. They, they kind of want to make their decision in their head, but they always make it from their heart. But that's how they come in. This is going to be very rational. I'm going to find out these numbers because this is a numbers. You're like, oh gosh, this is so beyond the numbers. The numbers are key. Absolutely. But at the emotions are so much. And, and and again, what keeps these people up at night is really critical. Yeah, I'm so happy you took it there. We are emotional beings. And in our culture, it's like we're taught to be that, that we're like these robots. That is such an illusion. To me, money is the most emotional thing next to love because money... Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this world, in this culture, in this dimension, it's just how our world works, right? We have currency, we have exchange for services, for goods, for products. It's the way the world works. But for me, the biggest piece that comes up when I have conversations with people about money and why they desire more money, there's one universal reason, and that's freedom. Most Mm -hmm. people in our culture do not feel free. They feel trapped. They feel controlled. And this isn't just poor people. 
This is wealthy people. Because what you learn is the more money you make, the more you feel pressured to make more. It's interesting, right? And it's because back to the top of the call, the individual has not looked at their money beliefs from childhood and that the like subconscious beliefs that are running the show, right? With why they're they're telling themselves they have to work 70 hours a week to keep up when they have plenty of money to probably not work for the next five years, right? And also, I think a lot of people, especially, you know, different generations are looking at building wealth for different reasons. But I would say that from my perspective as a millennial and people that I know that are in their 20s, they're looking to build wealth for reasons more focused around freedom and flexibility, you know? Right. And so it's interesting, right? And I think every human desires freedom and flexibility, but how that looks to someone might be different, right? A family of four with kids that are in college, they might look at freedom as, you know, we'd like to travel more than just like one vacation a year. Somebody who is younger might want to buy a house, but also travel. Like the way freedom manifests for people is different, right? And how that looks. But I would love to hear your perspective on that when it comes to building wealth and wealth planning, right? Because why do we want to build wealth? To me, it's because we would like freedom. And so does that come up at all? Or is that still not really touched on? Because I feel like you were right. I think Sandy was saying this and Cami. It's like getting to their why when they first come to you. What's your perspective on freedom? So I think before it goes to freedom, for me, Lo, talking with clients, it's really trying to hone out from them what the purpose of their wealth is. Mm, yes. What's what's the purpose? The purpose might be freedom. It might be something else, but that's where we start. What's the purpose? And then we do a really deep dive into what are your values? Mm-hmm. What is most important to you in this lifetime? Is it transparency? Yeah. Do you find that they've never thought about that before in relation to the context of money? Often not in the context of money. Yep. Some folks are super clear on their values. They might have spiritual values, religious values, but they don't really think about it in the context of their money. And so it's really interesting to explore this. And this comes up a lot on money tales because when individuals are making money decisions that aren't aligned with their values, that's often when you get that feeling in your stomach of like, oh, or the, the voice in the back of your head, maybe this isn't a good idea. There's kind of something holding you back. And without really exploring purpose and values, I think it is easy for folks to feel trapped around money and to keep doing what they think they should be doing, as opposed to taking a step back, building some awareness and really focusing in on what is the purpose of this wealth that I'm building? Maybe I've already built enough. Maybe I don't even need this wealth. That can help lead to decisions that are more productive and will help the the individual feel better about everything they're doing in their financial life. And the one other thing I want to add to this conversation, and this comes up a lot on Money Tales too, is the fact that in our society, there is so much focus on financial capital But each of us has so much more capital than that to offer and to utilize, right? We have intellectual capital. We have our human capital. We have our spiritual capital. Many of us come from families, as Cami was describing about hers, where there's legacy capital involved. And all of that needs to be understood, honored, and leveraged. 
Mm, I believe. Oh, well said. I've never even thought about it that way. That is so, so true. Cammy, what were you going to say? And Lou, I was, you said their why, what's their why? And this too has been shared on Money Tales a number of times. Some people talked about they just, the bar keeps moving accidentally. They haven't checked back in this exercise that Sandy was talking about really getting to the values. The bar could intentionally move. That's an intention. But guests have talked about where the bar moved and they didn't even know it was moving. So they had great wealth and they didn't have great wealth because the bar was moving. And then we have spoken with, I'm thinking one guest in particular who was really intentional about not letting the bar move because they were seeking that financial freedom for other the other things they valued. And so whether you say it's your why, I, I like that better, but visually that kind of helps sometimes. We just keep moving that bar and keep chasing one more thing. To what end? We're not sure if we haven't checked into what are the values? What do we value around our money? And I'm so glad you brought that up, Kenny, because moving that bar is exhausting. The bar is heavy. <laughs> it creates burnout and uncertainty and just petrifying fear for people around money. But I'm really curious, this just popped in my head to ask you both, because I feel like when you're in the financial world and, you know, projecting out the future related to finances, but then we're also in a culture that's trying to get humans to live more in the present moment, (laughs) because that's the place I'm in now. So I just put 40 grand in a retirement fund. I don't know if I'm going to live that long, but I did do that, you know, out of the money I made because that's for this year's income, because I'd like to not be dumb and just be like, oh, I'm going to truly live in the present <laughs> and see how it goes if I make it, you know, to 60 and then I have nothing. But I'm an entrepreneur. So of course, it's the Wild West in this world. But for me, I think a lot of people my age and younger are like, I'm not going to put all that money for later. I want to live right now. What is your perspective on that? Like this balance between, we can't all like assume we're not going to make it because we probably likely are. And also it's like, how do we also live in the moment and not cripple ourselves financially because we're saving for 40 years from now versus right now I want to travel. Right now I want to enjoy my life. What is your perspective on that, even just personally, and also when you have clients that come to you with that? Yeah, I'll start here. And you use the word balance. And I think that's really, really important. Planning for the future. I just told you my history. So that's ingrained in me. But it is important, right? And you want to, it should also allow for some of that freedom we talked about, that confidence that you're taking care of yourself. But then going back to, and I I love this younger generation that does think beyond, they are thinking about living in the moment, but they want to live life, right? They don't want to just save for tomorrow. So I think it's a balance. I think it comes down to being financially astute and taking advantage of savings accounts and things that do add value and grow and have tax optimization, things like that. So you're being smart or you're asking someone, you're asking your friends, you're hiring someone. There's a lot of great resources out there. So you're just making yourself smart. You're talking about money and through your own planning and understanding your values, then you can make those decisions of where the dollars go. And I think that's a really important thing. I love that your generation, um, I'm going to assume you're 
quite younger than me. I love it. You know, there's other things that you do. This whole kind of gig economy isn't just a lifestyle thing. It's also about diversified income streams. Like you don't trust one. It's like, let's get our hands in a lot of different pots. So this next generation has gone through a lot. They've been taught some really important lessons. There's no guarantee that we are going to be 100, but we got to do some planning in case we are. Let's be smart. And then also let's check back in and see what's our priorities and how do we want to spend our money. Yes, I love that. Love that. Andy, anything to add to that? I think Cammy did a great job of describing it. I, I'll just, again remind us that purpose plays a role Mm -hmm. in all this planning work, right? Because if we know what our purpose is, we can take that purpose lens and apply it to life today and projecting out into the future of what we want our lives to be. And that can help make decisions around balancing and prioritizing that much more helpful. Yeah. And this is where I want to go next. And I'm really curious because, you know, I live in between two different worlds. I live in a world where I mean, I'm very spiritual. I'm an old soul. I've done this dance many times. I know everybody believes what they believe. I know I've been here many times on planet Earth. And to be honest with you, I am witnessing in my own life, my own business, money coming in out of nowhere, seemingly, because I am energetically available for it. Hmm. There are people discovering that manifesting is real. It's not a one-to-one, like there's no formula. It's about being a match to money. Money is, again, these are the conversations that are starting to happen at a at scale. So that's why I really want to talk to you about this because it is important for the people that are grounded in like the economists of the world, the financial advisors of the world. It's important for them to come together with spiritual leaders and people that are trying to teach what is real, which is the quantum field. And I know humans have to see everything to believe it, but we are entering a world where like, we're going to have to start believing things before we see it. Because there are people right now in my life that are making millions of dollars and they're working about two hours a week and they don't have anything in the stock market. How do you explain that? Opportunities come to them. It is next level. This is my life. I mean, right now, I just got out of a meeting an opportunity just came in today out of nowhere. These people didn't even know me. A friend of mine, synchronistically, their business had a need. My friend knew that I did what they need. And here we are. That is not an accident, nor is it something I purposely, I didn't promote myself on LinkedIn and they found me, right? That's the universe. That's the divine, limitless universe that we live in. However, if I talk to an economist about that, they're going to go, no, 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 scarcity is real. And I'm going to go, no, it's not. You invented that for profit. And before you did that. So right now, (laughs) the younger generations are pissed because the wealth distribution is off. There's a gap between women, people of color. This is real. And now everybody's talking about it. And now we've all been forced to look at it. You're both women in this world. We know it's still male dominated as most things are. That's changing. Thank God. And there's a lot of great men that want women to be a part of this and want people of color that want diversified leadership, right? And those are the people that we got to start like getting them loud voices. Because I feel like the louder people are telling a story that isn't true across the board, right? We know there's good men, there's good women, there's everybody. A lot of people really do desire a more diverse C-suite, power structure. A lot of people want everyone to be happy and wealthy. But these systems of 
fear and control and believing there's only enough houses for a certain amount of people, like that's just not true because I'm witnessing things that don't make sense. That an economist would go, I don't know how you got that money or made that money with your business. You don't really have a business because I don't really, like I don't have a perfectly structured business, you know? So I say all that to say, I pray for a world where like all of us can sit at a table and really talk and honor each other's lived experiences and perspectives, because I don't also want to poo-poo the whole system. I don't believe in that either. Like, how do we merge is really the question. So I would just love to hear like what you, what your reaction is when you hear things that are in the culture now, like money is energy, money needs to be circulated. People are manifesting crazy amounts of money and opportunities from not doing things the old way. What is your reaction to that? And you can be honest, because I know it brings up a lot. Everybody's different in how they react. Yeah, ask a question. This is this is great. Tell me a little bit, if my ask some of the ask. listeners, how you've manifested these in your own life, yeah. money. You met you tell the great story. How yes. thinking about it each morning, how have you done it and bring that yes. to life? This is great. And I I've done a few podcasts on this. And I wish there was this like formula that I could say absolutely is the reason. There's still a lot of mystery to it. And the people that I know that are experiencing these same things, there is elements of mystery to it because we live in a mysterious world, right? But the main piece that I would directly connect to why I somehow (laughs) magically manifest hundreds of thousands of dollars without really working that much is because I have very few limiting beliefs around money. I have limiting beliefs Mm. around love and other things in life, not money. I don't think money is out to get me. You know, and I grew up in a family where they did struggle with money. My parents fought about money. It's always been a contentious subject because they always felt like they had to work so hard to get anything, you know? And they're also generous people. But for whatever reason, that didn't stick. And for whatever reason, I have very few limiting beliefs. So what I mean by that is I spend money I spend a lot of money. Like people would think I was crazy with how I spend money. I give a lot of it away. I'm overly generous, probably too generous in some ways. And what I find, to be honest, to both of you, it just keeps coming and I can't explain it. And for me, I think what it comes down to is that I don't feel controlled around it. And so money itself as an energy feels to enter my world. Yeah, so I think what you're highlighting, Lo, is the importance of mindset. Yes. Right? I mean, if we're open to experiences, we're open to things, that helps make those experiences and things come to life for us. And, and I've I been think that's about money too. Like back to your point about how you work with your clients on like, why do you want this money? Like, what's it for? For me, it's travel, it's freedom. I want to be very generous with all the people in my life. I would like to save, you know, 20% of it. I would like to be able to not work sometimes and then work other times. But it's like money has a place to go in my life versus give me more because I'm so afraid that I'll never have it. Money doesn't feel safe to enter the door. Think about that. It's like the same thing in a a romantic relationship, you know? It's like, Mm -hmm. it feels like there's all this control. It just breaks right? And money is no different. And that's what's happening in the spiritual community is people are repairing, to your point earlier, Sandy, their relationship with money as just like it was a person and they're experiencing these miracles. It's really that simple. And they're looking at to what you both openly talked about, which I celebrate you for, which is their childhood, the stories they learned about money. Most people had a childhood where their parents 
We're scared about money, taboo, superstitious, immigrants, the whole thing. Everybody has a version of that. So we have to look money beliefs in the eye and say that's not the reality, even if the systems around us tell us it is, because they do. And then some people make profit off that and some people don't. So again, there's a real revolution happening that's sort of in the spiritual community, but it's starting to dip into the mass consciousness, as you're probably seeing in these articles, where it's like people are realizing that not just Albert Einstein, but many, many people that were just called crazy. It's like the quantum field is real. It's real. And like, there's endless opportunities available for all of us, but are we a match for them? Right. And like, even in 2008, I remember being in college, professors were like, this is going to like, the whole country is going to collapse. And then there, you read all these stories about people that made a ton of money during that time. How do you explain that? So the jig is up. Everybody's realizing that there's systems that are man-made that could be changed right? And women are coming into their own power around money and people of color are coming into their own power around money. And that's where I just pray that wealth planning becomes much more about not just the life that the individual wants, but what's in it for everybody involved, you know, what's in it for me and the collective and the community. That's next level abundance consciousness. I'm glad you brought up that we can change these things that just because it was, they were created. And I read that book, Sapiens. I really found that where he kept talking about how much is just, this is man-made, right? So we can change things. I also, so Sandy hit on mindset. I loved it because your your line was, you see very few limiting beliefs around money. That's your mindset. So as a result, (laughs) it comes, right? Um, You're just, you give, you receive. So I think there's just this, when you have that freedom, and that's part of what we're doing with Money Tales and talking about money. It's to get freedom. Yes. If you're constricted and concerned and fearful, then it's very limiting. But if you're talking and you're open and you're growing, it's just that freedom that then things come. And I know you don't think you're doing much, but when you tell the story about your friend putting in touch with this opportunity, you're putting yourself out there. You're sharing your passions, your beliefs. That's what we have to do right? Otherwise, it's just sitting in a vacuum. (laughs) And it sounds like you're doing it and it pays off. I like this idea of manifesting what you want and how you get there is through these kind of openness. But people like me need people like you guys, because I don't want to deal with the details. I am Mm. a creative being that wants to meditate and talk to God all day. I do not want to figure out how to distribute my money. And that's why like, you're both in your mission in this life. You're both in your purpose, doing what you were supposed to do because not everyone is supposed to be an expert in money. That's like no. that's like saying everyone's an expert in medical science. It's like, no, like this is your gift. You're using it and you're doing it the right way. And the universe will keep rewarding both of you and your company for the way you're doing it, right? Because you're doing it with a level of consciousness that I don't think many firms are doing it with, right? And so that, again, I applaud you for that. And so does (laughs) mine. But I will say, like, I think a lot of people also want to aspire to more than just building wealth for the sake of wealth, 
Like that's what's shifting with my generation too. Material yeah. achievement is starting to like I don't care about material achievement unless I have my family and my people and my freedom. Like, what does it matter if I have a boat and a mansion? And like mm -hmm. I, I think that's also what's changing, just again in the conversations I'm having with the younger generation. So I would love to hear like your perspective also on like wealth accumulation and how we feel like it's evolving for in terms of why does someone want to be wealthy? Like, what's the reason? Versus before, I think previous generations, it was that competition, like, you know, I'm competing with everybody. I just, that to me is what it feels like is changing for people. Like the why, to your point. Yeah. And I can share that from the clients we serve, they're flesh and blood individuals like everybody else. So their goals tend to be similar to other people. They want to take care of themselves and their family. They want to take care of the communities that they live in and the communities that they care about. So it's really, it's not a matter of amassing a certain dollar amount. Sure. It's taking the power of the resources that they're creating and making really good decisions that make the world, their world and everyone else's world better. And it's really exciting to be part of that low our clients can do far more philanthropically than than I or my family could do. And to be part of the planning process with them and help them articulate what's most important to them and how they can have great impact is really thrilling. It's, it's nice to kind of ride the coattails and kind of be in those conversations. But I, I do think it's really a matter of where the individual and the family or, or the couple or the family's priorities are in terms of how much financial wealth they're setting aside for themselves versus setting aside for philanthropy. And sometimes it's not even philanthropy. It's just the investments they're making. They're investing in different communities and investing in new technologies to that all the rest of us can benefit from. Yeah. I love that. It does feel like there's also this conversation around like consciously investing in in companies that are considering the human impact, the environment. Mm -hmm environmental impact, the impact to earth. And I'd be curious what your perspective on that is in terms of what you've seen shift over the course of your career with that. Like people aren't just investing because this is the next best thing. And someone said there's a lot of money in it. It's also like, it feels like people are being more conscientious than ever before with why and what they're investing in. What's your perspective on that in terms of what you see? Part of that is because they can, the tools are, have created opportunities for us awareness. to understand awareness and all that. I think it's it's really neat because it's not just investing your dollars, investing your your human capital and the firms you choose to work for. Yeah. Right. Or we now are, there's just so many ways we can make our values come to life and impact things. So yes, you pointed out your investment portfolio, but I do see people choosing, you know, they want. And so as a result, Firms are having to be much more thoughtful about their approach to society and humanity. Yes. I'm so happy. Yeah, and I'll just add to that, that there are a lot of people that are, I think, understanding for maybe the first time, the power that the dollars that they have in their pocket have, mm -hmm. right? Because it's a power to invest in things that express your values. It might also be the power of the dollars that you're spending, right? Are you spending money at a shop that has millions of locations around the world? Or are you supporting that entrepreneur who has a very different background and might have a different skin color than you and you're pouring into them? There's so much we can do with our money 
investment for sure, the way we're spending, the way we're giving it away, all of those things matter. And every dollar does count there. And it is really thrilling to be part of those conversations and to help clients make decisions about that. And as it relates specifically to the impact of our investments, you know, the conversations we have all the time at Asperian is just how the world is moving in that direction. And some people are consciously making those decisions, but that's just the way society is headed. Right. (laughs) And that's thrilling and it's wonderful. And it's the way it should be. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you highlighted, you know, no matter how much money you have, you can make an impact with every decision you make around your money and how you circulate it and choose to spend it, distribute it. We're all distributors and circulators of money, no matter a thousand or a hundred million, it doesn't matter. Right. And I think what is happening in our culture is we're trying to hold people accountable that have a lot of money to try to funnel it. Cause I think there's this conversation also happening where it's like, how much money does one individual human really need to live an abundant life? I define abundance as fulfillment in all areas of life. People think about the word abundance and they think money, but really it's not what it is. It's fulfillment in everything. Because if you're rich in your mansion alone at the end of your life, boy, you're not living abundantly. Like you did not live an abundant life. You lived a very sad life in my opinion. And I think that what's happening right now is people are realizing that there's a lot of rich people in our culture, but very few abundant because abundance is an inner job. Abundance says, you know what? It's like perspective, I think, right? If you're sitting around the table tonight with your kids and your husband or your partner and you're having dinner and everybody's at peace and you're going to go to bed warm and have a laugh, that's abundance, right? Not oh, I have 30 houses and 40 boats and quite a trust fund, you know? And to be honest, we know the stories of people that have so much money and they're broken inside and empty. And now those stories are getting more public, right? And so everybody's starting to ask themselves, which is the question I pose at my events, what does it look like to you to live an abundant life? And when you ask people that, especially women, they're like, oh, I've never been asked that before. Like, I don't even know, which kind of goes back to what you both said about those initial conversations you have where people are like, whoa, I haven't thought about my values and my why and this and that. So I want to ask you both individually, what does living an abundant life mean to you in your life? So speaking of the universe doing funny things, I read something this morning about abundance <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it struck me. I was, I was really drawn into this. It was a blurb from Seth Godin. I, I received oh, his I daily emails. He's amazing. Yes, now his use of abundance is he was saying how we live in this world of abundance of goods. That's probably where people's brain go when they sure. goods and information yes. and how challenging that is. And how we now have, and now in the present day, he was talking about that we have an abundance of choice, which again, it can be paralyzing. Paralyzing. I grew up with 31 flavors, which was an ice cream store. That was already too much. And now you go into (laughs) places and they've got, you can make your own. And I, I literally am like, uh, I'm I'm truly paralyzed. I want to taste everything. And then by the time I'm done, I can't even eat the Ah. ice cream. I'm so full. Yeah. Reload. But I, I know where you're going to. So I think about this abundance of choice. And I do think it's it can be too much. But when you're talking about someone's being grateful for everything, for all this that we have around us, this is 
a hard time, but also a very special time that we live in. And I think every day we spoke with John Foley, who's a Blue Angel pilot, and he talked about waking up every morning and with his wife talking about what they're grateful for. And I thought, wow, that's powerful. That's abundance. That's really appreciating where you are today in this moment and for all the gifts that surround you. So beautiful. Oh, that is such a beautiful way to put it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'll respond a little bit differently. This is something I think about quite often. And the way I measure abundance in my life Ah. is through laughs, smiles, and sunsets. (laughs) Right. I love that. I love it. Sandy metrics. <laughs> Brilliant. It comes down to it. Those so are the good. three things, right? If I could enjoy all of those three things with the people who I care about the most, my family and my really good friends, life is full and abundant. So beautiful. I love it. I want to end with a question around women and wealth. I pray for a day when we don't have to have these kinds of conversations that talk about that talk about marginalized communities and women never having enough (laughs) access to wealth. I pray for those days, but we don't live in those days. We're living in the transitional change and we're all the change makers here. So we have to be okay talking about this, you know, and it's obviously people of color. It's obviously women, but let's touch on women because I have a lot of people who are listening that are women and women of color. Obviously, we know that the culture, I'm sure you're familiar with like the concepts of masculine and feminine energy and how we all have both. Masculine is the doing, feminine is the being, right? Feminine is nature, masculine is leadership and executing, and we need both. We really do, right? But the feminine energy on our planet has been very, very disrespected and not honored, right? Everybody asks, what are you doing? Has anyone ever asked you, how are you feeling? How are you being? Not really. It's like, what are you doing? So that's shifting. That's what the big, I would say, spiritual shift on the earth is happening right now. And many people believe that, but that's how I like to put it because I feel like everything's just coming into balance, right? And it's kind of like the plates on the earth. when, When they move, there's a lot that has to shift and it's a little scary, but it is positive. We're moving into more of a time of balance, I would argue. But women have the most tumultuous relationship with money. And women, as we know, because we're all women and we've had to work in corporate America, women are burnt out with having to work the way men work, right? And the way men work, I would argue they're also burnt out. So everybody's burnt out in many ways with the way we work. And I just had a conversation with someone who talks about corporate rehab and she teaches executives to shift away from hustle culture. So it's similar in our case, but it's like for women, there's such a a sad relationship with money and they're so disempowered. And I would love to hear your perspective on that and how you see it changing and anything you would offer to a woman listening right now with however much money she has, what would you offer to her in terms of taking back her power around money and trying to rebuild her relationship with money? Yeah. So I'll start with this one. One of the most favorite things I've done in the last several years is invite a group of women, I've done this a few times, who I know, some are good friends, some I just met, you know, grabbing coffee somewhere. And I've invited them into my home or into a neighbor's home to sit around in a circle and talk about money. And it has been amazing to just open up. (laughs) And so this is my suggestion to everyone, and especially the women out there who might be questioning their abilities or their knowledge or their confidence or whatever it is, 
have a money conversation with one other person or invite a few people over and ease into that conversation by asking permission to have it, set some boundaries around what you guys are willing to talk about, what you're not willing to talk about. But importantly, really open up and share. Because I can tell you, we all know this stuff. We know it in our bones. And we just sometimes need a little bit of confidence. We need to know that what we're doing and feeling and thinking about money is normal. And sometimes we just need accountability partners too that will help support us. So that's that would be my recommendation. And if you do that, please circle back because I want to know how it goes. I love If you need any helps or tips, reach out too. So that's a great one. I'll say that as you introduce this idea, though, this male, female, masculine, feminine, I think the financial world can feel very masculine, very, you know, when you watch the news, it's about what's the earnings and the, you know, how's the stocks doing? Jargon. Jargon. And who won the fight? And da, 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 da. Okay. (laughs) Women don't go into that conversation. They don't, fine, I'll talk if you have to talk that way. But, oh, so interesting. What's what's that company doing over there? How are you handling that financial matter in your home? You can have a different conversation and it's okay. And that, and you're, you're smart. Don't feel that you're not smart, right? We're all smart. Bring your knowledge into this conversation. I love it, Sandy, the accountability partner, your friends. Obviously, what we're doing at Money Tales, we just want people to start talking because once you start talking about it, it makes something that seems so scary and the big monster and I don't understand it. It's not so scary. And I also want to say women have a tendency to be perfectionists. Turn that off. No, you don't need to know everything. (laughs) You don't just jump in. You're smart. And just to to add to what you're saying and to bring around some comments that Lo shared earlier, there are a lot of powerful, wonderful women that are really strong and confident around money that are really open. They're making really good decisions for themselves and chatting with women like that will help too. I mean, there's just, there are powerful women out there that are doing amazing things. So open yourself, be aware and talk about it. Hmm. Perfect place to end. Thank you. (laughs) That was profound. And I'm so honored to have met you both and to have had this conversation. And I just want to say to you both, thank you for the work that you're doing on this earth. I know you're helping a lot of people. You're educating a lot of people, whether it is your clients directly you don't have to do that podcast. Like you're doing it because you really care about lowering these conversations out of the water and bringing them to the surface versus they're all in these like hidden closed door kinds of conversations. If you're, if you're privileged enough or lucky enough to have them. Right. And that for that, I really, really honor and thank you truly. And thank you for the way you both choose to live your life and the way you choose to spend your money and save your money and invest your money because you're leading by example for everybody. So thank you, truly. I mean that. Thank you, Lo. This has been a pleasure. And thank you for the work you're doing. It's very important. Thank you. I would love for you both to let everyone know how they can work with you, how they can connect with you, talk about the podcast and anything else you have going on where they can where they can find you. <laughs> Excellent. I'll start and, and really LinkedIn tends to be a, a great place to find everyone. And I know our names will be in the show notes. That's even easier. 
You can also find our podcast linked through our website. Maybe below you can, it's spirit.com podcast, but it's easier if you can just click on it. And we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your, what are your money conversations you're having? Let us know. I love that. Yeah, I have nothing to add to that. Well said, Cammie. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everyone gets in touch with you and starts listening to the podcast because I've listened and you're having some really powerful conversations that you just don't hear that much. So, so truly everyone start listening and thank you both again for being here. I'm so, so grateful for you both and I'm excited to stay connected. You too, Lo. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to House of Low today. I encourage you to keep going. Who you're becoming is on the horizon and who you are today is a gift. Never lose sight that you are worthy of all that you deeply desire. Love, Low.